go for it. And you guys have been in a, in a series on the Holy Spirit, so um, just this is what, this is hopefully this is what it looks like in action. We'll see. Uh, you can uh, you can get me later if not. Uh, so here's here's the thing that that I've that the Lord's been speaking to me personally, and uh, maybe this is really why it's in my heart because the Lord's been dealing with me on it. Uh, if it, if the Holy Spirit is not real, if the Holy Spirit is not alive, if God is not among us moving by the power of his spirit, what business do we have meeting together? Does that make sense? I mean, the, if God is not alive and working in us today, what hope do we have? I mean, is there anything that can give us any kind of sense of purpose other than the Holy Spirit? Is there anything that unifies us and, and challenges us to move forward other than the Holy Spirit? And there's been a lot of places that we've been in, in our short lifetimes already. Um, there's been a lot of things that we've seen. And I can tell you that the difference between a, a, a person who is going forward into the promises of God and one who is just going through the motions is an acknowledgement of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That that is the defining mark. Um, there are churches all throughout the Netherlands. There are churches all throughout the United States. That when you go in the, walk through the doors on Sunday morning, it, it's, it's, honestly, it's just dead. And I can, I can say that because I've been there. It's dead. It's lifeless. And where the Spirit is, there is life. And where He is, there's freedom. And I want to talk to you today about one of those, those things that, the Holy Spirit creates in us that by the power of the Holy Spirit, what we are, one of the defining marks of who we are as believers, as people empowered by the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells, that we are a prophetic people. I'm not just, I, I, let me define what I, what I mean by prophetic people. Um, we, there are gifts of prophecy. We believe that the Lord speaks to us, and surely the God of heaven has a little bit more knowledge of the future than we do. And in certain moments, he decides to give a little bit of that to us so that we could understand. Or he allows us through, through certain ways to be able to speak into situations correctly that we have no knowledge of ourselves. Like those are more the gifts of the Spirit. That's not, I'm, I'm speaking more generally this morning, though, of, of prophecy. I, I, a man told this to me once. And it, it has shaped my understanding of God, really, um, that what prophecy is, it's declaring truth to the lie. It, let me let this in. It's declaring truth to the lie. It's allowing what is what is true to be spoken to what is not true. And in that moment, we, we that that is a, a prophetic moment where we declare here is what is real in the midst of what is not real. In John chapter 1, if you got your Bibles, turn there. Are you guys willing to go on a little ride with me this morning? Okay. And let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we're trusting on you to move. God, we're trusting in you to create something in us that, that we couldn't create for ourselves. God, I, I'm humbled by the fact uh, that you are just alive and you're working. And I just ask God that you would do this this morning. God, that you would just, uh, you, you would speak by your word. 
you would speak by your spirit, confirming your word. And God, the result would be that we walk out of here a little bit more changed than when we first walked in. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In your Bibles, you'll see that the word is capital W. Uh, that's a name given for Jesus. That Jesus is, is the word personified. So he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Kind of put a little mark by verse 5. We're going to come back to it. Skip down to verse 9. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He, this is Jesus, was uh, in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. I think that that verse is one of the most tragic verses in Scripture. And honestly, every time I read it, I get, I feel angry inside, I feel uh, broken inside, I feel just I, just passion wells up in me because here is the one by whom, for whom, and through whom all things were made. This was life himself stepping onto the scene. And here he is, and he came in, in front of a people that should know him, in front of people that should recognize him, that we breathe, our breaths are from this man, this Jesus. Like he was the person of the Godhead. That what we were created by. And he walked among us. And we didn't even know his name. We didn't even know who he was. There was nothing in us. So far gone were we. That we didn't even recognize him. It's a tragic verse. And I don't mean to throw a blanket on you this morning. But this is the reality of what the situation in the world is today. To understand this, you got to kind of go back. And uh, just come with me for a moment. Right at the beginning. I don't know what your backgrounds are, and this is why I'm starting here. I don't know if you've been in the, in the church for a long time, or this might be your first time coming into it, or whatever. Uh, we're just going to start from square one. God created the earth, and it was good. We know this story. Uh, in the beginning, in fact, this John is actually pointing to that in the way he opens up the book, in the beginning. And in this good and perfect world, God created living beings with a soul, and he put his image, and created them in his image. Now, in that understanding of that word image, there is an understanding that we are, it's not like we just look like God, okay? It's like that we were meant to be his representatives. There's a, there's a connection to, to old literature and the way that was made, but it was uh, kings in that day and age when... When, uh, when the book of Genesis was written, they would have gardens. And, and throughout the, uh, their whole country in their gardens, they would put statues that looked like them. But just so they could say, I am still king here in this place. I, uh, my rule and reign stretches to this place. And just so everyone knows, this is my image. And this is what this means, that I am in charge here. And God created us that way. That was what he, he created us as his image, as his representative, so that the rule and reign of God would be kind of uh, made alive in us, made real in us. Are you tracking me? So this is what God made 
made us to be, that we would be his representatives, his arms extended, if you will. And then we know what happened. Sin came in, and the pride welled up in our hearts, and we said we don't really need God to be satisfied. And then we moved away from that and enter. That's when the, the story of salvation really begins. What To be a prophetic people, it, what it means is that we, again, take up that mantle, that calling to be his representatives. We become we come closer, we get closer to the very thing that God created us to be in the beginning. His representatives, his image outstretched. That through us, God would make manifest the, the things that he has been speaking from the dawn of time. Uh, that this is us, the rule and reign of God would be extended through us. I want to share with you just two, two things about how God does that. Uh, the first way that, that we become a prophetic people, and this is where we get a little bit, a little bit more practical, uh, is through your personal, like your walk with God yourself. This, this is a way that the rule and reign of God makes manifest in yourself. You're, when you're dealing with situations and struggles in your own life, things that, that are constant temptations for you, things that are constant troubles for you, what the, the thing in those moments to do, like one, the way you become a prophetic person, a prophetic people of God in that moment, is that you, you stand up and say, you know, I'm struggling with this, but God has set me free from this, so I can step into this with the full assurance that God is God, that He is strong, that He is powerful, and that I don't have to be that way, I can be this way. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be this. And that be even, I would, I would encourage you to say it out loud. There's something that happens when we speak things that, that makes it come alive in our own hearts. Say it. I don't have to struggle with this. This is not who I am. God's made me to be this. In that moment, you, you speak the truth to the lie. There's a, a wonderful story that I love, and I, I'll share it with you. Um, in the next few minutes, possibly. But in the story of Mark chapter 5, it's the story of the guy uh, who is possessed by thousands of demons, right? Uh, legion of demons. And Jesus steps in, and, and he, he casts the demons out. And here comes the, here's the man again, and he's, he's just all better. And there was this thing, though, that had to happen in him when you read the story, that he had to kind of uh, overcome some things for himself. He had to redefine who he was. This rea- his own reality had to be redefined. Jesus at, at, at sends him back to his family and friends, and he tells him, he says, go. And that word go, it, it's, it's more of a, a, a die. In other places, that word goes actually translated as die. What Jesus was saying in that moment was, this is who you were. This is who you are. You now need to walk in the reality of who you are because of me. And in that moment, you are my hand extended. You can't get to this place that I brought you on your own. But because of what I've done in you, because of who I, the, the power uh, that, I've, that is at work in you, you can overcome this. And who you are can be something completely new. In that moment, you are declaring the truth to the lie. The lie that this is how I am. These are the, the way I was raised. This is just the way I've always been. And you say, no, but Jesus wants more from me. And I can and I will. And that's, that's how we move forward from there. There, 
let me say it this way. There's no other choice for you, really. There's not. It, Jesus, Jesus has done a work in you, and that work in you requires of you this kind of thing, this kind of bold affirmation of what Christ has done in you. That is, that is how we become sort of overcomers, uh, people who, who aren't bound by stereotypes of that we may have for ourselves, that others may have for us, that, that in that moment, it becomes something more than us, something other is happening in us. And that, that is what it means to be a prophetic person, that you don't let the lies of the enemy overcome you overwhelm you you don't let them define who you are your relationships you call them out for what they are and you stand and say Christ has done this in me and because he has done this in me I am not anything that I was and I don't have to be anything that anyone else says of me to be that's that's how we become a prophetic person uh, in our own lives uh, generally speaking broadly speaking that we stand for truth in our own hearts. But in this world that we're living in, there's, we can't just go around thinking about our own walks all the time. Uh, well, let me say it this way. It's not just about you. It, it, it is about you, but it's not just about you. Um, that, that might be really great news for some of you. That might hit you hard. Uh, I don't know you. But um, it, it's not about you just it's it's about something bigger and the the interesting thing is as you're walking out that truth life that declaring truth to all the lies in your own heart all of the things that you've believed as you're walking that out something powerful happens you you begin to represent that truth to a whole world of darkness a whole world of brokenness that that believes the same lies that you believed once that understood things the way that you understood them once, but now you don't. And to, to be empowered, to be changed by God, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, means you walk in a world that does not even recognize the voice of the Father anymore. You walk in a world that is so consumed by darkness that they wouldn't recognize the light if it shone right in their face. And in the midst of that, you stand and you say, look, Jesus is here. The kingdom of God is among you. It's extended through me. And I'm living this out in front of you. Like this is, this is real. God is redeeming the world back to himself. And I just want you to know that, that this is real. And that there is hope for you. And that it, there is change for you. That there is a, a whole world of possibilities that you don't even understand yet. That, that becomes uh, us being prophetic. Uh, that, that is declaring truth to the lie. In that moment, we it's like Jesus, uh, it's refusing to accept John 1 as true. In your day, do not let John 1 verse 11 happen in your life. By God, don't let it happen. Jesus should, be, should walk among this world and people should recognize him. People should see him. There should be something in, our, in the hearts of men that yearn for him. And the motivation, the, the missionary, the mission, the great commission motivation is that we would walk among a world and that the world would just see him for who he is. And that by God, that will happen with my life. At whatever cost, that will happen with my life. We, when we take on things that seem uh, impossible, what, 
In fact, let me put it this way. The faith life, that, that life of faith, we have all these great stories of the faith, right? Um, uh, there's, there's people like, uh, do you know, Corey Ten Boom? Okay, you know Corey Ten Boom. Uh, George, um, huh? Mueller. Yeah, I was going to say Miller. I'm like, no, that's not right. George Mueller. Um, Adoniram Judson. You know, we hear these stories of faith. Charles Spurgeon. I love, I lo- in fact, let me tell you this story about Charles Spurgeon. And to kind of illustrate what I'm going to say to you next. Uh, here's Charles Spurgeon, right? Uh, around 1800s. He's uh, a preacher. Are you familiar with who Charles Spurgeon is? Okay, very dynamic preacher. Uh, built a very strong church in the midst of a culture that was turning, uh, turning away from God, becoming very decadent, uh, very uh, full of themselves. Um, a very strong preacher. Uh, he walks into this realtor's office, right? And he goes to this realtor and he says, how much I saw this building is for sale. God has called me to build, put an orphanage, and I want to buy that building. How much is it? The guy told him, you know, let's say $500,000. Uh, it was just something astronomical for that time in the world. And Charles Spurgeon, this big, kind of intimidating look at man, looking man, says to him, I'll give you a dollar. And the realtor, just like you, just laughs. <laughs> yeah, you're kidding, right? Come on, make, make something real. And uh, Charles Spurgeon is getting flustered, right? You don't want to make Charles Spurgeon angry. And he's, he's getting flustered. And, and he says, the, this, the owner's never going to sell it to you that. Charles Spurgeon slams his hand down, and he walks out the door. And before he gets out through the door, he turns around. And he says, I will have that building for a dollar. Well, Spurgeon leaves, and the guys, the realtor's just at his desk, kind of shaking his hand. Man, the crazies in this town. The owner comes in a few days, or a few hours later, and he says, um, uh, so uh, 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 any offers on the building today? Realtor says, nah, not really. And the owner says, none? And he says, well, there's this crazy guy came in, and, and he, he offered me a dollar for the building. You want to sell it for a dollar? And the owner just laughs. <laughs> I know, that's just crazy people in this town. And, and then he says, by the way, what was the guy's name? And the realtor says, uh... Charles Spurgeon, and the owner goes, Charles Spurgeon, and the guy says, yeah, you've ran into this guy before? He says, sell it to him. (laughs) He said, what, what, are you crazy? This is worth so much more. He says, if we don't sell it to him for a dollar, he'll have it for nothing. (laughs) He got the building for a dollar opened up an orphanage there, and it, a very an integral part of the ministry of his church was reaching out to the street rats, uh, the people like in the movie Newsies, or uh, what's the police, or I want some more, that, Oliver, yeah, Oliver Twist, yeah, okay, that, like those were the people he reached out to with that building, the building made way for the vision God had given him, uh, and it was that vision that compelled Charles Spurgeon to walk into this place and say, I'll give it to you, or I'll give you a dollar for the building. To stand up and trust the promises of God, to believe the vision of God that he's given you for your life, the dreams that he's put in your heart, by the way, aren't there just by chance that there could actually be some divine thing about them. Uh, I would have never thought that the Lord would call me to go start something like a dream center in the Netherlands where buildings are just as hard to get as that one that Spurgeon went after. Uh, where the culture is so resistant to the gospel, that was not something I would think of on my own. That was a dream given to me by God, and by God, I'm going for it. 
And, but this is what we do. We say that the dreams that are in our heart, they, they are worth reaching for because Christ reached down to me. And he found me when I was in the place where no one else was coming for me. No one else could come for me. And because he did that, pulled me out of that pit. By God, I'm going to reach for the thing that he's calling me to reach for. When you do that, you become the most prophetic thing this world has ever seen. It's more than standing up on a stage and preaching some good words and, and just wanting to amass an audience for yourself, like a lot of preachers are doing today, trying to just be this image of a prophet, and maybe they even call themselves prophet. I want to tell you that the real prophetic thing is for you to believe God for the dreams he's given you, for your life, for you as a church, and to go for him, and then to let the world see you go for him. And don't be all like, I'm going for my dreams. The Lord's called me to come on with me. He's got some for you too. No, it's, it's just go for it in humility that who you are apart from God, but in the reality of who God has made you by the power of his spirit, the work that he's done in you. You go for it and you let the world watch you. You tell people, like I told you this morning, we're believing God for Easter. You tell people and you go for it and you let God stick up for himself. You let God prove his own word. You just do it. There are stories all throughout the Bible. I was reading in Ezra a couple days ago. It's a funny story uh, without going into all the details. Ezra was leading a a group of people out of captivity back to Jerusalem to go rebuild the temple. And the king asked them, do you want some help? Uh, Would you like some protection for the journey? And Ezra said, the Lord God is with those who are for good and for him. And he is against those who are against God and against good. And then on the way, Ezra got nervous and he stopped and he prayed and fasted like, Lord, I told this to this man, uh, you know, prove it, please. Well, he did. God proved it. It's just funny to see the human side of that, that I get nervous and uh, I need to stop for three days and fast just so you can fill me with courage again. But that he went for it. And God did an amazing thing in the city of Jerusalem, rebuilt walls that were broken. A, a, A beacon was put back in the city of God, to say God is still alive. That was the motivation for that. And when you pursue the dreams God has given you, the promises he's put before you, that is the motivation, that you go for these things because God deserves that from you for no other reason. Put all other reasons aside. If there's pride that you're reaching it for, that I want this because it would make me feel important or I would derive a sense of significance from it, die to that because that's destined to fail. But if you're reaching for things because God deserves that, that he deserves that from you, that because of what he, he's, he created at the beginning, because there is a world that he, when he walks among it, they don't recognize him. People drive past this building all day long, all week long. They don't know what is offered in the context of this building, what, what is offered in your life. You just all happen to meet here, but they don't get it. And because of that, you, you must give God more than what you can on your own. You must reach for things that you can't reach on your own. The world needs it, but God deserves it. We, we don't go for the lost because, just because that they deserve the right to hear. We go for the lost. We pursue these dreams because Jesus deserves it. Be, because all that God done, has done, if it's true in your heart, it, you know that it requires you to reach past yourself. To go for the things that are otherwise unreachable, unattainable, and become a prophetic people saying this is not the way things have to be. This is not the way things are actually. They, they might look like this right now. 
but they're not going to stay like this. So we're going to walk like it's already changed because we know the change is coming. We're going to walk like the dream is already here because we know God has said it's coming. That is what it means to be a prophetic people. That is something that is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is something that we must learn to trust God for. To trust God for. None of this mundane, uh, I'm just twiddling my thumbs till Jesus comes kind of thing. None of this, like, let's just wait for the blessing to be poured out. No, ask for the blessing to be poured out while you're out there being a blessing. I guarantee you God meets you there. And that's the place where dreams become reality. When There's just so many examples of this in Scripture, and, and I, can't, I can't list them all for you. But let me close with this one. Uh, in Luke chapter uh, 6, Jesus, um, it's right after the story of the... the the demon-possessed man uh, that he healed. Uh, he's, he goes back to Jerusalem, and he's, uh, uh, he's teaching. And out of the crowds comes this one man with a desperate look on his face, just so um, ashen-faced. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, please come. My, my 12-year-old little girl, my baby, is dying, and she's gone unless you come. So Jesus comes with him. He said, let's go to your home and, and see your girl. On the way to the home, a man comes from Jairus' house, and he, he turns that corner, and Jairus sees him, and he knows as, as soon as he sees this messenger, he knows the news that he's bringing. And the guy comes to him, and he says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter has passed. Just come back and mourn. And before Jairus has a chance to respond, really, it, you almost get the picture that Jesus puts his hand on Jairus' shoulder and looks him in the eye, and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to believe that things are still not the way they seem. Don't be afraid to believe that this can change. Don't be afraid. Just believe, he says. So he goes, and it's, I mean, just imagine what that walk back to the house would feel like. You, I mean, imagine one side of the body is so, like, numb because of the pain, and one side is kind of twinging because of the hope, and he's just kind of, just walking, and he, they get to the living room uh, of his house, and already the mourners had assembled. It was a, 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 like a cultural thing to show honor to the family when they were grieving the loss of somebody, and uh, it would have seemed kind of showy to us if we were walking there today. Um, and Jesus walks into this room and opens his mouth seemingly very insensitively and says, why are you guys all crying? What's all this commotion about? The girl's not dead. She's sleeping. And Luke says it this way. He says, they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. Get the irony of that. Here walks in life himself, right? The one through whom, by whom, and for whom all things were made. Surely he would know what's alive and what's not. And they laughed at him because they knew. But that was the prophetic moment. That was the moment where Jesus made the, the hope and Jarius and his wife come alive. They believed God for something that was otherwise impossible. And they went for it. What happened? The little girl got up. And first thing she did, she ate a meal because she's a grown girl and she needed food. Like this is the thing that Jesus does. If we just trust him enough to believe him for the impossible stuff. There really is no other choice for you. If you want the promises of God to be true in your life, if you want your life to be marked 
by a sense of just otherness. Uh, if, if you want to see your situations that you're in or the people that you love are in, if you want to see those change, man, what are the promises of God for that situation? What are the promises of God for, for this moment that you are in now? What are the promises of God that you need to cling to? They're all here, and they're all yes and amen in Christ, and we go for them. We go for them, and we trust God to do something that only he can do. And when it happens, we are able to say, you see, we're not walking this earth alone. There's a bigger story happening here. And hey, lost friend that I have, lost family member that I have, you just need to know that God has did this so that he could get your attention. He I am I am reaching these dreams that I have not because not just because Jesus wants like or the father wants to give good gifts to his kids, which is true. But that's not the end. All he's doing this so that you could see the fact that you see is evidence of that so that you could see that God is passionate for you, that he will move heaven and earth and shake the foundations of everything familiar just to get your attention. And just to say, this is a powerful God, and he's coming for you. And I just want to say, will you come for him? Will you come for him? That is the prophetic call. Come to Jesus, because he hasn't forsaken this world, nor should we forsake him. Can we all stand together? Let's pray for a moment. Father, I ask you, God, that, that the reality of your, what you're doing the power of your spirit would be alive in us today, God, that we would see, we, we'd understand that tomorrow is promised to no one, yesterday is already gone, so whatever was yesterday, does, that doesn't matter anymore, it's all done now, God, but there are only promises ahead of us, there are only things that you are creating us for, that, that you put in our hearts, the Lord gives us the desires of the hearts. You put those desires in us at the beginning. So God, I pray that you give us courage to just reach for it, to just go for it. God, that by our lives, by the way that we live, the way we take on our own struggles, but by, by the way we take on the impossible in this world, motivated by the, a word from the Lord, by the vision you've put in our hearts, God, that motivated by all those things we would walk among this world and you would walk among us and we would give you honor for who you are that we would say your name in the midst of people who do not know it do not know the person who that name is attached to God that we would be a prophetic people walking among this earth like it is not our own and yet possessing all of the dreams and promises you've given us as if it is our own God, make the kingdom come alive through our lives. May the heart of the Father beat in our chest. And may the power of the Spirit flow through us so that you can reach all of the people that you are calling us to reach and do all the things that you've called us to do, God. So that praise will be on the lips of people that we know. God, so that hearts would be turned to you so that you would have the just reward that you deserve the love of hearts beating for you just in the attitude of prayer I, I only do altar calls when I feel like the Lord's stirring me, I feel like the Lord's stirring this
so if there are things that God has prompted that you feel like at one point in your life or maybe recently God's kind of given you something to go for regardless of what you've done with it or not in the past it doesn't matter regardless of what you think the Lord may like how it's going to work the worries if you if the Lord's ever spoken to you about anything that gives you hope for your future I'm going to ask you to come forward and just come forward as a sense of I'm stepping into the promises of God I'm stepping in and saying, God, what you want from me, I want for, for you. I want to give you. And let's just do it. Let's just take that step and just say, God, you will get what you want from me. But only if you help me. So come. Lord, I just ask as people come all with their dreams in their hearts and, God, hope in their heads and in their hands. God, I pray that you would just remind them of every little thing you've ever spoken to them about this this dream, this vision, this promise, God, that every little thing that you've ever said to him, God, that even the things they never knew that you were actually speaking about that, God, that you would just confirm all that now. God, that as we all lift our hearts and worship to you in the next few moments, God, that you would just, that you would just make the dreams come alive in our hearts. So, God, that we can go after them with confidence so that we could be a prophetic people saying to this world, God is alive, and he is at work. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, walk among your own right now, and let your own receive. Praise your name, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. 
out to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever. Aren't you thankful that God gives us dreams and gives us something to go for? I'm so thankful for the work of God in my life, what he's called me to do and what he's calling us to do collectively. As we close this morning, I want us to agree in prayer for our future. Tonight we've got a meeting about our future, master planning, talk about some big dreams that we're going to kind of lay out and discuss and uh, uh, exchange some information that we've been able to find and explore questions that may be on your heart. And uh, I don't believe it was an accident back in November that Chris called and said, hey, I'd like to have some coffee coming through town. And then for us to pick today <laughs> to have him come and then for the Lord to interrupt what he was normally going to speak and, and to share what he did this morning. That's not an accident. God has some things for us to do. He's calling us to step out. And, I, and I, I can't say this morning what that looks like exactly, but I'll tell you this. He's calling us to the next step. So would you agree in prayer with me for our future as a body to make an impact in this community, to be known for making an impact to be a healthy multiplying church like our vision says I want you to take a hand of someone here so we're in agreement just take the hand of someone and if you're uncomfortable with that uh, please forgive me but uh, just come let's make sure you got the hand of someone in agreement if you're by yourself just stand up and find a spot maybe right behind you or, or close by please just to, so everyone has a, an agreement. Hallelujah. And let's pray a prayer of faith together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, help us to be people of faith, to know your will, and to have confidence and the courage to walk out your plan. Speak to us, your people, for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, make it clear 
the plans you have for us. And we will give you the praise. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything specific, we will stay and anoint you with oil. If you're sick or if you're if there's anything you would like prayer for, please come and join me in the altar. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. Tonight, 6 o'clock, please come back and join us uh, for a great time of uh, master plan discussion. And uh, let the grace of God go with you. And uh, we will see you. God bless you as you go.